0: You're watching Global Trade This Week with Pete Mento and Doug Draper. Good afternoon, Global Trade This Week, friends. This is the episode that you have been waiting for. Myself, Doug Draper, I'm one of your hosts. Pete Mento on the other side of the coast is going to be joining. And we're talking about 2023 predictions. And uh, I'm super excited. Pete, what do you think? You ready for the
1: show? Look at this hat, Doug. I mean, does this hat not scream guy making predictions? (laughs) Does this hat not scream festive end of year prediction show? Yes. I want to thank Walmart for taking nine of my dollars and giving me this hat in return.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What was the uh, uh, Johnny Carson? What was his character's name when he put that hat on?
1: Karnak the magnificent.
0: Yes, there you go. And I, I would liken it to something of that nature. But
1: so. I loved Karnak. I loved that that gag. It was fantastic.
0: <laughs> it, I don't know. It doesn't play very well. I think it looked and just like movies. When 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 I'm with my kids and we're talking about movies like The Breakfast Club. Oh, yeah. We watched that about a year ago mm-hmm. and 15, 20 minutes into it, they're on their phones, completely bored out of their mind. And I'm just like, this is one of the best movies of all time. Blah, blah, blah. They could care less. So I don't know if Karnak is going to hold up the way it would in 2023. Well, we're
1: dads and we do like the corny jokes it. I mean, I I, don't, I can't speak for you, pal, but as far as I'm concerned, I do enjoy a corny joke from time to time. So Uh, Johnny Carson is, is just chock full of stupid jokes. So I do, I just Mm -hmm. don't like the old ones, buddy. If, uh, if I must be honest about it. So yeah, I'm still okay with Karnak Mm -hmm. and I'm still okay with Ed McMahon and, um, you know, all the other things that came on there. I I loved it when the guy from the San Diego zoo would come on. Um, I love Don Rickles. I loved Oliver Powell. So I'm still okay with
0: that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, let's jump into this thing. We got uh, quite a few predictions. I'm excited to hear what yours are. I know our audience uh, can't wait to laugh or cry or uh, ponder some of our pontifications, as I mentioned in the hype video earlier. So with that being said, Pete, I'll just roll it out to you. Prediction number one.
1: Yeah. So prediction number one is a bit of a two for here. So I'm going to, I'm going to squeeze two together. And that is that the, um, U.S. economy is going to be in a correction, not a crisis. So, we're probably looking um, at a double dip recession. So we, we had two two quarters of backward um, GDP growth or lack of growth, and that that along with what I believe will be um, continued backward, um, you know, lack of growth and um, bad bad situations for um, unemployment should be the case for probably Q2, Q3, at least, maybe even Q4, which is going to be, you know, the, the dictionary definition. Um, and then on top of that, I think we're also going to see some, at least one high profile bankruptcy in our industry, um, maybe more. So all the King's Horses and all the King's men situation, I think there's going to be some people who are dumb with money through the course of the pandemic who over-invested in some silly things and um, are going to find themselves on the, the wrong end of, um, you know, the wrong end of some bankruptcy papers here, pal. So that's, that is probably a very un um, unpopular opinion, given the kind of cash that just flew out of everybody's pockets to move containers around the world. But I'm going to stick by that one. I think you're going to see a couple of um, high profile logistics uh, bankruptcies in the next 12 months. Hmm. Wow.
0: Well. I like that one because we spoke many times about the um, explosion of acquisitions and money coming into our industry and the logic tech, the log tech. So that one uh, has me interested. I I can't wait to see uh, how that transpires.
1: Hit me, buddy. What's your first one? All
0: right. So my first one um, could be one of those, uh, duh, that doesn't (laughs) seem to be much of a prediction. but. Um, There's going to be a lot of overcapacity uh, across all lanes and transportation modes. We're starting to see that rail, air, ground, ocean. But the one thing that I wanted to point out is that I think ocean freight um, and um, air freight will correct themselves uh, a lot quicker than the other ones. And and really, air freight, that that I've seen a couple of, of things that a lot of capacity came into market but I've seen some trends that air freight is starting to pull out of selling uh, services direct to forward, forwarders and non-asset based companies. And they're taking their asset, which is a very expensive um, a piece of equipment and uh, they're putting it in the hands of asset based carriers. So they are leasing their uh, planes to the DHLs and the UPSs, of the world and other uh, contract cargo across the country. So, or across the world, So by taking it out of service in the sense that they're not going to be selling directly to non-asset based carriers, they're going to put those to work um, and sell them just as basically an asset to get out there. So that will adjust the air freight prices quickly um, because it'll essentially take capacity out of the market. And then we've talked about the uh, ocean freight, how it's essentially one step away from the mafia and uh, they can turn on blank sailings and turn off those sailings uh, pretty darn frequently. So I think that they have the ability to ratchet up and ratchet down and and test the volume, if you will, to uh, a right size, uh, their capacity constraint. So the overall capacity is a a lot of capacity out there, but air freight and ocean freight are going to correct themselves uh, probably mid-year 2023. Prediction one.
1: Yeah, mid-year. Maybe even earlier, but I think uh, this is going to be a, a really tough year for carriers. Um, tough in that they were just making money hand over fist. I mean, it was just a golden age of bonuses and um, and rates. And I think you're uh, you're absolutely right. It's, it's going to be a correction. Um, Air is a fascinating one. We're we're just now beginning to see those rates begin to come down the capacity to be corrected. Um, I'm not really comfortable um predicting on that one and a big reason for that is because I, I don't see the big electronic doodad that would normally you know jump out there um next year mm-hmm. is, is there big iphone releases you know what i think could save air freight is continued hostilities in in eastern europe i'm not sure that's even going to be enough to do it to be very honest with you man mm-hmm. so um it could be right on that one i guess i guess time will tell uh People are acting like that's a that's a like a really Captain Obvious. I don't think it's so obvious. I think I think there are ways that Air Freight can pull itself back out of it. I think Ocean Freight is doomed. I think it's just doomed. I think those rates are gonna be absolutely in the hmm. toilet next year. Hmm. Interesting. You know. All right. All right. So um keep going. I think that at least one US governor next year will declare a uh, a war on crime. And what what I mean by that is a a high profile um, you know, God, what's, what's the term that they use? Um, you know, zero, um, what what do they call it when like, there's, there's no, you know,
0: oh, zero, yeah, tolerance. zero
1: tolerance, almost, um, if you steal a pack of gum from the Walgreens, you're getting rolled up kind of, you know, where we're, um, I think somebody might go as far as to actually even call it the National Guard in some American cities. Like, I think it's going to get to that point. I think that there are there are some American cities that are just sick and tired of it. And what does it have to do with global trade this week? It has a lot to do with global trade this week. Um, You have retailers who are having a hard time living up to their insurance standards. You have people who are afraid to go out to retail settings right now, afraid they're afraid. So there are major American cities now where people are not are actively not going into retail establishment because of fear. Um they're, they're, they don't want to deal with appointment shopping. So you know the e-commerce thing is great and all, but it's actually hampering movement of of inventory. I think you're gonna see a political um pushback on this, Doug. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I would uh, speaking from a personal experience here in Denver. In Colorado, the, the whole concept of the donut, people are leaving downtown. Uh, it's happening here in Denver. And to be honest with you, it's already happened um, it, because of those reasons. I mean, it is just it's not safe. It's not enjoyable. Uh, things have been um, uh, it, it's just not a good good look. I love the fact that Denver's downtown was bustling and happening and um, it, it needs to to pivot and come back because what you just described is happening in Denver Colorado
1: now, I miss the fact that Manchester's was kind of sleepy um, but now it's yeah. sleepy for the wrong reasons people are genuinely afraid um, it's it's just not the city I grew up in but if I can throw one more yeah. at you um, I think sure. that this is the year I know that people thought that last year was the crypto correction no 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 um, <laughs> This will be the year of the crypto correction. Much like the uh mm-hmm. NFTs uh had their moment in the sun abruptly taken away from them. This will be the year that most of, especially the pretender and uh cryptos will find a great financial correction. Um I'm not so sure about Bitcoin. Bitcoin! Um, but I think many of these pretenders are gonna find them, you know, their most of their value eroded. Uh, and the Bitcoin will have a correction of its own, but not to the degree that these other ones will. I think this is the year that pretenders are sorted out. Um, this is the year that you you begin to find a normal level to what its value is. And, and we, we, we begin to see some rationality brought to that market. Mm-hmm. I bet, I bet yeah. Keenan wishes this was the week that he was on the show instead of last week. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. All right. So um, my next one is, is uh, maybe another Captain Obvious, but I think there's a couple of things here. Number one, um, electric vehicles and EV uh, is really po- po- poised uh, to dominate last mile. And I think that we saw a pivot where electric vehicles uh, kind of migrated to the, to the final mile. It's just, you know, having um, the technology to have a semi drive 500 miles across the country just isn't there yet. It, it uh, makes for a good headline story, um, but the bottom line is that uh, electric vehicles final mile is really gonna blast off. And I want the audience uh, to, to think about this, right? There's this bell curve of, um, uh, of innovation and I don't know exactly all of them, but there's the innovators, the early adapters, um, and then the, the, uh, the majority, and then, then the folks that are, are uh, late to the game. Mm. So the innovators in electric vehicle final mile delivery have happened in 2022. The early adapters are really going to take off in 2023. they are going to see some creative um, uh, EV, EV uh, distribution models. Some of that could be electric vehicles in the sense of scooters and bikes. But I think that the, the 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 piece on this one, Pete, I'm trying to understand or trying to convey to our audience is that 2022 was the innovators of final mile electrification, 2023 is early adapters. And that is a sharp bell curve climb. And so I think we're gonna see that as a big topic. It's gonna to be a lot more players in the industry and it's gonna get a lot of buzz. And we as the consumers are gonna benefit
1: from that. Yeah, I agree, Doug. I think that the, the people that poured money into this that are beginning to see results, they're gonna be the big winners and the people that did not see the results. So their innovation failed. They're going to have to pull out of the market, they, they're not going to have the money to continue to invest, so mm-hmm. it's going to be ugly. And then the next thing will be the final mile people that are doing the delivery vehicles. I don't think it's going to be the autonomous stuff, it's going to be the people that are making the mail trucks and the rest of it, where there's still people driving them. Um, they'll, they'll be the ones that are that'll be that next wave. And we'll see what the next couple of years bring with that, but I i completely agree with you. Um, yeah, yeah. all right. So, my next one, uh, you know, last year I said Russia is going to invade this year uh, i think russia is going to be forced to negotiate and i'm going to i'm going to explain why i think that ukraine will make it through the winter i think that uh ukraine will fight ukraine will find themselves bolstered by incredible technology provided to them by the west particularly patriot missile systems and in doing so will find themselves in a position um ready for a spring offensive ready for a summer offensive and facing a Russia who is um, looking down the barrel of a very unpopular war with its own people and running out of people to conscript. Uh, So it it really puts Putin in a difficult situation. Um, And he could be facing a mutiny of people who support him. So I think that about this time next year, before the next winter, so probably late fall, of 2023, you may finally see a willingness for um, Vladimir Putin to actually be sitting down to begin the negotiations for a ceasefire and not a surrender, but a ceasing to the conflict uh, between Russia and Ukraine. Hmm. Interesting.
0: Well, you had um, probably the bold prediction of the year last year when you talked about uh, Russia invading Ukraine. So we'll uh, we'll see how this one pans out. And uh, I think you're spot on. It can only go on so long before uh, something needs to to transpire. So um, my next one, I was going to use the term e-commerce, but there was a post that you made uh, recently, Pete, about e-commerce this and e-commerce that, and it's almost used uh, too much. So I'm just going to say like online retailing, but um, it's going to have an explosion, not from a pandemic uh, perspective, but with... um, Couple of key things: one, interactive, uh, interactive shopping, voice search, and immersive shopping. Right. So now you can access things online, uh, TikTok or, um, you know, Facebook and things of those nature. And when you click on it, it takes you to their static or not static, but their website. Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't really take you um, to the next level of, of shopping and engaging the user. And so I think what you're going to see is uh, a lot of clicking on pictures, and then it's going to immerse yourself into the experience, not just dive into the web or send a link to say, here's a web that you can pull up. Um, I don't have a lot of specifics on how that's going to look, but I've seen, you know, my kids out there, uh, uh, looking at it, but clicking on TikTok, clicking on a video, be able to um, you know, have kind of like a, a dressing room effect with, uh, with putting different styles on, uh, I think is really going to drive um, the uh, online retailing. The other piece is going to be payment options are going to continue to increase. More options equal more purchases, kind of the one click where uh, you don't have to type in a credit card or have them remember it, where it's a one touch type of thing where you can uh, have your information saved and and uh, your payment goes through immediately. And then installment payments have been a big thing. uh, And I think that will continue to grow. Um, Digital wallets, QR codes that you can scan and take you to to a site to take care of it. So um, I think you're gonna see the experience of the consumer really take off with immersive shopping options, which is gonna make it easier to push buy which will continue to drive uh, online retailing and e-commerce. Last couple of years, it was COVID related. Uh, This coming year is going to be all about immersive shopping and make it a whole heck of a lot easier to push the button and and, and buy things. So I think we're going to get a blip. How does that relate to transportation and logistics? Uh, The easier it is to say buy and purchase something. Uh, the more product is going to drive through the system. So there's going to be a, an increase in, uh, in e-tailing and e-commerce, my friend. Yeah.
1: And let me tell you why I wholeheartedly agree with that, Doug. So you have giant e-retailers like Amazon, giant e-retailers, um, who's, by the way, you know, they got cash, right? Um, you have a lot of retailers, period, that are sitting on cash. And they do not have a consumer base that is hungry to take on more debt. So they're not hungry to take on a credit card. So the idea of them clicking on for a new, you know, retail driven MasterCard that's branded with this retailer at 30% is not getting a lot of takers right now. But the idea of buying $250, $300 worth of material at a click That they can pay for over four or five installments at zero percent interest. That's being actually funded by the 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 retailer. That they'll play around with, and being able to do that without the surety of a bank behind it. You know, looking at past purchasing seems to be something folks are actually open minded to do. So I agree with you one hundred percent. I think that this is actually more important than people realize. I think that you're you're about to see. The credit card companies and the banks begin to really pay attention to e-commerce because part of them is about to get cut out of the actual, mm-hmm. they're going to get cut out of the process. They're not going to like it. So they're going to start talking about how can we get more engaged with the platforms? What can we do to become more important with it? And you make a great point, Doug. It's um, it's too easy. It's too easy to clickety-click, click, 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 click. And the credit card companies don't want to be left out of that because they were part of the reason why it was so easy to shop that way. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah. Just another evolution. Um, all right, my friend, so we'll, I'm gonna, let's keep it I'm going to give you a
1: political triple play. Um, they're all somewhat related. It's more of a quadruple play um, and they're all related. Okay. So versus I believe that you're going to start to hear in the spring, the call for a re-referendum on Brexit. So I think that the UK is going to request a new, a new vote on, on Brexit. I think the economy is going to hit stagflation in the UK hard. And you're going to have a call for people to enter back into the European Union. Not sure Europe's going to want them back. All right. Uh, I believe that you're going to see a vocal consideration, if not an actual execution of Macron, the president of France, to resign. I think he might actually do it. But number three, I believe that um, President Trump will be brought up on charges. I don't think it's just going to be like a call to have him brought up on charges. I think you're going to see the Senate demand that he's brought up on charges. And uh, lastly, I believe that President Biden will be um, impeached by the Congress. I don't think it's – it won't make it past the Senate, but he will be impeached. So you'll have, in our short lifetime, another president impeached, my friend. It's almost like – it's mm. like a rite of passage. You know, if you're going to be president, you got to get impeached. Um, yeah. The Senate won't hold it up, but um, Congress absolutely will. So you're going to see a year of international political appeal. Interesting.
0: Well, if you know how to polarize an audience, uh, one topic to bring up would be Trump. So I think you just did that and with uh, your comments.
1: And Macron and and uh, basically British politics, dude. I hit all of them with one. Like I think you're going to see you're going to see um, hard right European politics begin to really matter, and hard left U.S. politics begin to have some interesting, truly fascinating repercussions. But more important than anything every single political leader of the spectrum worldwide is going to be called to task because of economic concerns. It's just how it's going to be mm-hmm. then. Yep. I'm glad I'm not one. No, that,
0: yeah, that makes complete sense. So, all right, I'm winding this down. I, got, I just have one more. Um, and the whole, uh, it's related to nearshoring and reshoring is going to gain a lot of momentum. And uh, we could actually take that from uh, from a, a Who, the band, the Who song, Won't Get Fooled Again. The difference uh, between companies reacting to, holy shit, my stuff is on the water. How do I get it in my consumer's hands? That's reactive. Now that things have calmed down, this can be more strategic. And strategic will allow it to set up manufacturing, uh, re uh, review how you uh, source raw materials and there's more time to set it up and take care of it so we won't get fooled again with um, the pandemic craziness that transpired. So that means companies that may have been thinking about it that had to pivot hard right during COVID are going to uh, a flourish and, and look at nearshoring. I think the nearshoring is going to be more popular and bringing things back here to the U.S., although that will certainly gain some momentum. So I think you're going to see that. I think people are going to promote it. Companies are going to promote it and hype it um, because now they have time to strategically insert themselves into a more stable supply chain than a reactive, oh, my God, what just happened to us? And the C-suite people at a company are just, you know, everybody's got their hair on fire, kind of like that scene from, uh, Ferris Bueller's day off whenever the uh, uh when they were calling into the principal's office and the principal's running around and it's going crazy. So that's a pretty pathetic analogy there, Pete. But anyway, I think you understand my point with uh, reshoring and near shoring is gonna gain some serious momentum and we're gonna hear about it because companies are going to know that they're doing it.
1: Do you think Keenan knows who the Who is?
0: Uh yeah, I think he does. I think he does.
1: Do you think that Keenan like how how absolutely cool the Who was like while everybody else was sitting there playing three chords with their suits on, like the Who was breaking their crap on stage and like the Who was awesome. The Who was awesome. Yeah,
0: that was a, yeah. If you think if you take a step back and you hear about the British invasion from uh, the late '60s, I mean, if you just start clicking off mm-hmm. all of the bands that came over that you and I still talk about and have relevance, it's yeah. it, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. It was a true impact.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. We might have to make Keenan a new mixtape to get him through the ski season, um, snowboarding season. Pardon me, uh, but but there's a really important line from that song, right? And I, I think that American companies are learning it now. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. And the reason I bring that line up is I have had some really weird, uncomfortable calls over the past week, Doug, where many of my <laughs> my my clients have learned that their Vietnamese, Cambodian, Thai suppliers are owned by Chinese companies. Mm. The factory, like, it's basically, it's like, it's no different. The money's all going back to the same place. The supply chain is basically, it's just been like pushed to a different country. There's absolutely no difference. You know, they're in some cases, they're actually dealing with the same central authority. It's just being produced in another country. And I think that that could end up being a real problem for some folks, because, and this is a huge distinction. America is sincerely talking about that next level of sanctions, beyond the section, you know, the section, uh, the three ones and the three twenty ones about doing these three three sevens, which are like brutal on an entire industry out of China. So where do you go? You you go to Europe. You go to Mexico, Central America, Latin America, and even then, eh, you know. So I think that. Nearshoring and, um, and offshoring beyond these, you know, nations that are so deeply influenced by China because of Belt and Road. I think that it's going to be incumbent on the buyer, buyer beware, to know who they're buying from and to understand the supply chains of these people that they're nearshoring with. And, um, and I think there's going to be a lot of people who are thinking, I'm buying some automotive parts or I'm buying electronics or whatever. From this super awesome supplier in Vietnam or, you know, Colombia or whatever. And it turns out it's just basically Chinese stuff that's, mm-hmm. you know, been tested and packaged someplace in Bogota and sent up through Mexico and people are going to be screwed. So mm-hmm. I hope for, for their, their sanity that the people that, that are, are doing all that work are really looking into just how sustainable and how strong. And That leaves me with my yeah, last right. one. So, yeah. um I read this a couple of months ago, and I thought this is absolutely ridiculous. And then it started to gain some traction. I believe that a um, a country will start to will, will propose by like twenty thirty or twenty twenty five. They'll propose it this year that by twenty twenty thirty or twenty twenty five, one of them, that they're going to put a um, an, an almost prohibitive tax on um, meat that was raised or produced in a corporate fashion in their own country. And that it will eventually be part of a plan to make it illegal to produce livestock um, for consumption in their own country. So what I mean by that is that a country most likely like Sweden or Denmark or Norway, so probably like one of the one of those countries will make it effectively illegal to raise livestock for human consumption in their country and that if you want to import it or if you do want to raise it to sell, it will be taxed to high heaven. And they'll do so because of carbon and emissions and health concerns in an attempt to get people to push towards you know, Doug, you and I will just (laughs) sit here in blue jeans, dressed like Bruce Springsteen in the 80s, eating ribeyes the whole time it's happening. I'm telling you right now, Cold, dead. I mean, my art, my my arteries filled, clogged up with plaque. Hands, you are not taking steak away from me. It's wrapped in bacon, dipped in beef towel tallow. Bring it on, bro. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um. About halfway through that, Pete, I just started thinking about a steak mm-hmm. that I want to grill oh. that gets seared on the outside yeah, and and everything else. You know what I started pack. thinking
1: about? Pork <laughs> tenderloin, pal. How nice does that sound oh. right now? Mm.
0: Yes. And that's the meat of choice for Christmas, as our audience may know from a previous episode.
1: Maybe a ham. Oh, God. Oh, you know what would be nice? Some venison. That also sounds fantastic. Santa, a little venison. But I I think that this this is coming. And I I think that it will be used as the test case for states, certain U.S. states to actually consider it Mm -hmm. as well. And then, my friend, everyone's moving to New Hampshire. So we welcome you with open arms. (laughs)
0: nice i like that that is one hell of a prediction to end on i love it i love it i gave i tell you what our audience did not see that one coming i can guarantee it
1: but it has a lot to do with trade i think that you know taxation and tariffs on things where you're trying to make changes with regards to environmental policy are going to become more and more likely you know um so i think we're going to see more and more of that we'll see buddy Mm -hmm. yeah
0: good good on you
1: so um I'm taking us out, right? Cause you brought us in. Is that how that works? Do yeah. I, yeah, do I get to make the, the, the happy holidays bye bye? Is that what's going to happen here?
0: We flipped a coin for the hat and you got Aww. it. So yes, you can, you can send us out. Well, on
1: behalf of, of all of us here at global trade this week. And of course, from our sponsor are the good people at cap logistics. We want to wish everyone a happy and healthy and safe holiday season. And we, we certainly do hope that you all enjoyed our content this year. Um, and we hope that we'll see you for even more next year. Um, Merry Christmas, happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa and whatever else it is that you happen to celebrate. Um, and Doug, Merry Christmas to you and your family and Keenan, Merry Christmas to you and yours as well. And I cannot wait for another year of sharing these crazy stories and ideas, halftime and all the rest. Nah, thank you for always being here, buddy. I really do appreciate it. Yeah.
0: Thanks, man. This has been a fun Absolutely. ride. Absolutely. Merry Christmas. All right. Merry Christmas.